This is a game that would be best described as one for the purists on prime one, time. One Sunday for the night. fucking masochists. stop shop for news views and overreactions to all things nfl week uh three is in the books it's been a bit of a surprise go dolphins question mark so hey we've got connor here we've got sean hello and we've got ronan hello how are we getting on guys how's tricks down in cork not much going on here uh the weather has turned and life has gotten very boring very quickly and there's not even proper soccer on at the moment because of the internationals so uh, yeah looking forward does the international to... break last one or two weeks it's yeah it covers a weekend and it kind of goes on either side of that weekend as well so all right so do you like do you, do you have so, do you have premiership this weekend yeah there should be some well unless another royal dies mm. um, there should be some <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh we unfortunately didn't get round to because of time constraints. Our one hour of our one minute of noise for the death of the queen to counterbalance <laughs> the minute of silence that we were forced to watch during red zone. Um, but yeah, no, the weather has also turned up here. It's uh, cold. I I considered taking out the big coat for heading into the office today, but I said if I hold off one more week, then it'll be October and I'll feel a little bit better about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. No, you'd be but, sweating anyway, you know. That's it. Weather's gotten cold enough that, like, I decided I have to accelerate the the plan to put in some attic insulation. So uh, I think I've now figured out what three or four of the days of my week off at the start of October is going to be used for, and it's going to be going up and down to the attic. But yeah, that's for that's for a later podcast on Connor's Attic Cast. Uh, how about yourself? It's how's, how's tricks with yourself? Uh, was out with the the workmates on Friday. Good time. Uh, lots of interesting conversations and. Uh, the tab was well uh, well rated, uh, so fair play to everyone there. So uh, other than that, uh, quite enough, just enjoying the uh, red zone, as it were, uh, which I said is on TV now. I'm not even using streams. It's amazing. But uh, <laughs> although the TV is actually lower quality than a stream, so you know you take and you give. It's, mm. it's more live, but it's less quality, but I'll take it at the moment. Yeah, that rises. I have to, I have to call up my... Uh my TV provider and uh, I'm renegotiating now. We're kind of just coming up to the year now. So uh, it also means we're nearly a year to having moved house. So very exciting. Got to I spend su- all that budget money that we all got, of course. Oh yeah. Budget, 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 baby. Um, I hope, I hope you are in the upper, <laughs> the upper income groups because they're the ones who got best, better sort either that or you have 15 children all in primary school and, uh, and government provided daycare. <laughs> Uh, that's your that's your best attempt uh, for for this time around. What did you what did you make of the budget? Not to get too political, but yeah. Well, I don't know what opinions you're allowed to have given your uh, status, uh, but uh, it it's fine. <laughs> like they just threw a lot of one time money at it, and they're hoping that next year all this stuff will kind of have gone away. If not, then uh, it'll be interesting at that point. But this year mm. was easy enough. Just like if it's a once off thing, you're allowed to do it, and that's basically what they got away with uh, yeah. for now. But when these things seem necessary a year from now, that's when things might get scary. You know. Yeah, yeah, they're re yeah. they're rebuilding here. They're in a rebuilding phase. They're like, uh, you know, the Bears or something like that. We'll see what's happening <laughs> next year. They really see where this is going. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be interesting. There's uh, lots lots of bits to to digest uh, coming out of it. But yeah, a couple, couple of smart things, a couple of very stupid things as well. Uh, I suppose we should get into the NFL news rather than like <laughs> Irish fiscal constraints. And uh, we'll start with crime and punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. Um, this is not probably a felony unless he brought it across state lines. Pittsburgh safety uh, Demonte Kaziz suspended for three games under the substance of abuse policy. Um, this, I believe 
is more for illegal substances than PEDs, correct? I believe so, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. We'll see. It's it's first first one, I think, because normally three games is what they give them on the first one, right? So, or no, three games is for the second time they're caught, right? Yeah. He's currently on IR, so it's not a huge issue for the... Mm. Steelers, but if, man's, if yeah. the man's on IR, let him smoke a bit of weed. Like he would be the back, <laughs> he would be the main backup uh, if Minkah Patrick or Charlie exemption rule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There should we be have an no... IR exemption rule, like similar to that lad who put a bet on his team last year. Like if you're not playing and you have no impact on the game, fuck it, who cares? Yeah, I, I did a check. There, there doesn't seem to be any additional context, so we could just assume he had a bit of too too much fun, uh, let's say, uh, and it uh, kind of mm. got caught at this time. Yeah, fair enough. And we we know it's probably not the the marijuana since we, we that is now. Oh, uh, that is softened now. Well, well, the thing is, unless unless it's from prior to that, cause I think anything that was prior to the agreement can still be treated the same way as mm. it used to be. Um, yeah, there wasn't actually a ton of other crime and punishment this week, so we'll move on to uh, injuries. We've got a couple of injuries to chat about. New England quarterback Mac Jones has a high ankle sprain. Uh, we saw this in the last play of the game where he threw uh, a heaved up ball to kind of as a hail mary style hope hope for the best and go to plan he hobbled off uh, he has a high ankle sprain apparently quite a severe one they're saying somewhere between two and six or eight weeks um there's a little bit of added intrigue to this one because from what i hear immediately out of the camps is that the patriots would like him to come back and play very quickly and mac jones is pushing back and saying he wants to take more time to get the leg right um we weren't expecting a ton out of New England this year, although I did find, we'll talk about it in the game, reviews a little bit. I find I find this to be a, a more heartening performance from them than I'd seen the first two weeks. But like, surely if he is your future, or at least your next year or two of the franchise, you don't rush him back from this. You just try and let him get right. Yeah, but when the alternative is Brian Hoyer... Uh, and Hoyer's the destroyer. Oof. Yeah. On the, basically, they look like they're on the, on the playoff cusp in that there's going to be one or two games either way, whether they make the playoffs or not. So losing your only viable quarterback for, say, four to six weeks is probably not... It it, it would effectively end the Pat season, I think. Um, so, Although the schedule gets a little bit easier um, after after the Packers. They have a couple of easy games, well, easier games. So, yeah, no, it's it's not good news for the, for the Pats. And I, I, could, I could definitely understand the... Yeah, the, the there is this kind of win win forever mentality. The Pats, as you can understand, that they everything has to be win. There, there is no such thing as rebuilding. There's no such thing as transition seasons. It's all kind of win forever. I mean, it's and maybe Belichick doesn't have any long term. Maybe he's not planning to be around in three or four years when when Mac reaches his peak. So he's going to get all he can out get out of him um, now. But uh, yeah, I hope this doesn't cause a kind of a severing of the relationship or a destruction of the relationship because he's <laughs> the one of the few talents that the Pats actually have at the moment uh, and definitely the future in terms of the quarterback position. Yeah, uh, LA Chargers have been hit with the injury bug again. Uh, their offensive tackle, Rashawn Slater, has torn a bicep and he's now gone for the season. Uh, their wide receiver, Jalen Guton, has torn his ACL and he's gone for the season. And uh, their edge rusher, Joey Bosa, has a... Uh, I believe it's, they call it a substantial groin injury and it's two to six weeks. Uh, I did kind of, you know, because I'm a giant child, laughed a bit because I was like, is it the injury substantial? or? Um, but yeah, the Chargers once again falling apart in the pre in the, in the season following the, the darlings of the uh, preseason. This is, we thought they'd shaken some of this injury bug at this point, right? But this is a very top tier 
offensive tackle. Uh, this is a wide receiver who I honestly didn't really know, and uh, and one of the top edge rushers in the league. Now Bosa should be back in a couple of weeks, but they've already dropped games. This isn't looking great for them, and this isn't even counting the fact that their quarterback is wandering around with damage to his rib cartilage and stuff like it's it's not a great look for a chargers team yeah i know maybe they thought the exercise of the ghosts when they punched them into tyrod taylor's chest cavity but mm. yeah like look like this is a pretty substantial injury for sean slater this is a guy who was a second team all pro last year like as a rookie so the second best you know tackle according to like the people who usually are in the know uh, that's a huge loss and the step down to, from him to Storm Norton or whoever else they put in there is substantial. Like Storm Norton was getting beaten uh, snap after snap when he came in for Sean Slater during the game um, last week. So this is huge. And obviously, as you mentioned, Herbert is already hurt. And so that's obviously highly problematic because every time that guy is hit on the floor, you know, he, he looks like for the first time in his life, he's like, oh, wait, I have to just wait a couple of seconds here just give me a second to to get back up again um and it's it's you know it does genuinely feel like it's all falling apart because you know the run game isn't working the defense is better but it's still not an elite defense and you definitely want to war with joey bosa gone how much of a step down you might have um with them being able to key in more on khalil mack and yeah the pass game showed flashes with Herbert Hurt, but it was definitely a step down and you lose a deep threat like Jalen Guyton, that's certainly not going to help. So look, there are some positives, like hopefully Keenan Allen comes back this week. Um, maybe Austin Eckler can get more involved in the game. He's been quite quiet this year, but yeah, like losing your left tackle, losing your best pass rusher, having an injured quarterback, this does feel like it could be on the precipice of a full-on Chargers collapse type season, um, but hopefully not, uh, but certainly uh, not, a, not an impossibility at this point, point in time. Yeah, uh, Buffalo safety Micah Hyde has injured his neck and he's gone for a season. They were kind of hoping to have him back as they're already quite banged up in that secondary. As we saw a couple of times in the Miami game, the you know the the, the freshness of that defensive back group uh, allowed a little bit of miscommunication, particularly when they were moving into kind of too high shells and stuff like that. And they didn't know who was meant to be taking the inside men when you're passing off coverage. Allowed a lot of big completions. So Buffalo's it's not looking great for that for that defensive backfield to, to to improve hugely yeah so they i think they've lost an, an, another rookie um to injury during the game um who was like a sixth round or something like that like they obviously are missing trey white still for the first part of the season they're hoping to get him back later in the season uh the say other safety um who's obviously been really great alongside uh hyde has, is also facing injury so it's just just a complete disaster back there for now, but obviously losing Micah Hyde definitively for the season is a huge step down. And obviously we know neck injuries in the NFL can be highly problematic. They're very optimistic for 2023 all right now, but you know, as a Seahawks fan, I've been, I've seen that optimism fade away, but uh, I think Micah Hyde, he's a great player. Um, he's been great for them for multiple years. Um, so he's definitely a loss this year and uh, hopefully he gets better at maybe 23. But yeah, that's secondary, something to keep an eye on. Um, maybe Josh Allen's going to be kept busy just uh, keeping the score ticking up to make sure that doesn't become too much of a factor. No, of course. And uh, just a few other ones. Cleveland linebacker Anthony Walker has done his quad ten and he's gone for the season. Cle- uh, Detroit safety Tracy Walker has done his Achilles and he's gone for the season. And their running back Swift has injured his shoulder. He's week to week, but they're expecting that he might sit out until week six uh, as they have an early bye week. And New York Giants have lost wide receiver Sterling Shepard. He injured his knee and is most likely gone for the season. So any of these uh, jump out at you. Obviously Detroit already not with the world's best defense. The safety is not great. Uh, Swift is a very good player but his, his backup kind of worked in quite well in his absence so maybe that's something they can manage for the next week or two 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, it. Yeah, the the Lions thing is an interesting one because obviously their their offense is quite dynamic at the moment, and there there's a lot of, it's all about a lot of kind of explosive plays by explosive players, and DeAndre Swift is one of those explosive players. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how they how they do, um, without him, uh, and yeah, that the you don't want to be losing anybody on the defensive side since their defense is seems intent on giving up about thirty five points in every game, um. So it's uh, it's a shame because they're. Their season is really starting. I mean, they they are one and two and whatever, but they they really are looking exciting and potentially a playoff team. You don't want to have the momentum checked because before they know it, they could be three or four games under five hundred, and then the season's basically gone. Yeah, and just just on Tracy Walker, he's a team captain on the defense for them, so not a big name, but a guy obviously was important within the locker room. We know that's a team that's got a lot of uh, investment in the culture. Anthony Walker, I think he's on a contract year with Cleveland after he was a free agent, so big loss for him in terms of his own uh, personal situation. And Sterling Shepard was probably the best wide receiver for the Giants so far this year. That's not really saying much, but uh, that probably means that they will be forced to play more of Kenny Galladay or Katerius Tony or the other you know, misfits that they just are paying a bunch of money to to not do anything each week. Um, so yeah, the Giants passing attack, not dynamic, even less so now. Yeah. Uh, other bits of injury news. Offensive tackle Trent Williams for San Francisco is a high ankle sprain, so he's gone for two to six weeks. Green Bay Sammy Watkins has a hamstring injury. He's off to IR. Oh, Kel surprise. And uh, cornerback Jair Alexander is injured his groin. He's week to week. Um, Minnesota running back Dalvin Cook has injured his shoulder and he's day to day, although he is expected to play with the brace as he did previously. And... Uh, Cleveland edge rusher Miles Garrett was involved in a car crash. He's not life-threatening injuries, and he's been released from the um, from the hospital already. Apparently, it was uh, on a wet road. A, uh, an animal ran across the road, so he swerved to avoid the animal and rolled his car, essentially. Um, so, obviously, some of these are impactful. San Francisco could probably do with having Trent Williams there, being how good a, a tackle he is. Green Bay... Yeah, Jair Alexander is an important part. Sammy Watkins hadn't done a pile, and yeah, we'll see how that goes. In Minnesota, if Cook plays, then should still be all right. Um, but yeah, he is a big part of that offense, although as, as much as we're loath to discuss it, Sean, uh, their offense has looked a little bit better this year. And the Miles Garrett stuff, we don't really have information on whether or not he's going to play or whether it'll be impactful, but him being discharged would suggest that it's on the more likely side of playing, or at least that there's no longer-term serious injury risk. I just want to put on the record, I have said that the Vikings are better this year than they were last year. I just want to, I, I'm not <laughs> resisting the fact that they're less boring and less crap than they were last year. Okay, okay. So the, this is this is the slow thawing of, of, of the, 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 the iceberg that is your heart towards the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. And uh, other bits of news, uh, Rihanna's been confirmed as the headline act for the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, are we excited about this? I think it's her comeback after like what three or four years of not mm. basically doing anything. Well, no, she's, she's been off doing her like her 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 underwear stuff. Uh, yeah, no, her. yeah, I I mean in terms of music, like obviously she has a very successful uh, business in terms of the fashion stuff, and uh, I think she's had a few kids or something like that. So mm. like she's obviously been busy, but in terms of music, this is a fairly long sojourn, and this is her comeback appearance so look i'm sure like given it's run by rock nation like uh the, the dre kind of company that there'll be plenty of other backup type of things but it'll be interesting to see how she uh, holds up on a kind of big comeback type of thing obviously there were rumors that taylor swift rejected yeah, i was gonna it because... say taylor swift was being reported by i think it was variety reported that she was going to be doing it and then she said she wasn't uh and to be honest, in a, in a kind of spot where if they are still either not paying or expecting you to pay them for visibility, I, I don't think Taylor Swift needs that at the moment. Yeah, and Rihanna's a fair yeah. few 
collabs over the years that are pretty big. So if she gets some of those big names to show up as well, that would no, of course. Um, and the other bit of news is oh, the Pro Bowl is now becoming the Pro Bowl games instead of the greatest game of football. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a skills challenge, AFC versus NFC, followed by flag football, which is uh, replacing the, the the best game of football we got every year, which is pretty sad. Um, but flag football could could it be an even better showcase of their skills fits? Only if you're involved, of course, Connor. You know, expert. Well, this is this flag is our football this, player. It's gonna have to be our campaign. Get me to the get me to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just can't imagine. I mean, professional players playing flag football is going to be it's it's a joke. It, it's just going to be horrible. Mm. If, they, if you thought they didn't take it seriously beforehand, just imagine what happens now when they're told that they can't even tackle, even if they wanted to. And it's, I think uh, it's. it's yeah. It's important to note that the actual selection process of the Pro Bowl will be unchanged because it's tied to a bunch of incentives and other stuff in contracts already. So, like the same selection process will exist. But <laughs> now they will. So we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna have some flag football teams made up of three hundred pound fucking edge rushers. Yeah, the same <laughs> players will be available for selection. Yes, I don't know. I don't know how many players are gonna actually play. A flag football is traditionally how many players for a side? Um, five normally, but I think you can play variations with seven or nine. But yeah, I, I look forward to, you know, yes, left tackles, sorry, and, and centres and defensive tackles getting involved in a, pro, in a flag football game. Uh, it'll be uh, very exciting. I suppose on that bombshell, we'll uh, move on to the games from last week. Okay, so first up we have, I think this was a bit of a shock to all involved, Buffalo at Miami, 19-21. to A Buffalo team that clearly prefers it when it's cold and they do not like it when it's hot, falls short on the final drive. Uh, this was a very entertaining game for many reasons, not least of all the butt punt, uh, which as I've, I've seen someone say online, I'm now going to use from this point onwards, I'm going to show that picture and tell people that that's how, <laughs> that's how American footballs are born. Um, Allen went for 447 yards, two touchdowns and a fumble. He put up a lot of yards, but this is a team that had a lot of offensive snaps and didn't really get a huge amount of production out of the tail end of them. A lot of key drops and obviously the fumble following Miami's D, who had a quite a big day here they had uh, four sacks and 10 QB hits Tua who obviously it's great that he's he's, he's doing this uh, well in 3-0 and so far didn't have exactly an amazing uh, outing he had uh, about 180 yards and a touchdown he had about I think was it 18, 19 minutes of time of possession or something to the 40 something of Buffalo uh, and yeah like it was just it was just an odd one altogether, to be honest. There was one or two really nice big play moments. Uh, Waddle looked explosive. Tyreek Hill had one or two big ones. But, like, it was it was weird. It was, I want to give Miami credit for this. I think they did do an excellent job. I don't want to say this is Buffalo beat themselves, but Buffalo did not look like they were ready for the heat. You could see that they were making mistakes throughout the game. I'd also like to point out, like, I don't know how we didn't get a good flag and a good bit of a chat about the fact that, like, Josh Allen, who everyone loves, was sitting kneeling on the top of a, of a Dolphins player and pulled their helmet off and was shouting shite at them. And you don't see a single bit of coverage over that. And I would like to see a little bit more discussion of that if we're going to have this squeaky but, but, clean. But isn't he... he, he, he isn't he, looks he amazing? I know he looks sad at the end. But this is the thing: like, <laughs> like people just seem to be like, "Oh, sure, he's great. No one needs to worry about it." Like, if 
if if if Tua did that to someone, it'll be all over the fucking all over the the talking heads about is he losing his cool? Is 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 he unable to lead a team? Is he too emotional? So I do think we should have a little bit of discussion of that. But yeah, great win for Miami. Uh, like Buffalo look a bit shook. I wouldn't take this as an indication of the relative strengths of these two teams, because uh, I do think it was a very specific set of weather, set of circumstances, set of injuries. Uh, but this was this was. Pulled it out of the bag for Miami, and it was Miami's defense that did it for them. Really, like they allowed a lot, a lot of yards, but they didn't allow a lot of scoring on themselves, and that was uh, that was key. Uh, but none of us called this. So, what did you guys think? I mean, I do, I do think we need to, to kind of call out the Bills in this because we're talking, we've been talking about the Bills as kind of championship ready, a team that is going to go all the way and win it all. And these are the kinds of you can't be making the kind of mistakes that the Bills made in this game. The first one, the, the weather. They had, they obviously were not prepared for the weather whatsoever which they knew was going to be a problem because they know that florida is hot they know that the hard rock stadium is designed so that the home team is always in the shade and the road team is always in the sunshine and they should have brought canopies or they should have brought something that could shade people like i've seen the lions do it at, at hard rock i've seen the pats do it at, at hard rock we saw the we saw the packers do it in tampa bay later in the later window i mean they just they came completely unprepared and the players were completely gassed obviously and but most of them had heat exhaustion by the end of the game. And that is that is not a freak thing that happens. That is a, that is a failure of, of planning. That is, that, is a, that is a, you lost that game because you did not plan for all the variables that could have occurred. And also we can talk about the timing screw up. Both, both halves ended with the Bills screwing up a timing that meant they couldn't get a field goal off. Like we, we talk, we, we, everyone remembers the second half one where McKenzie didn't get out of play in time. And they didn't snap the ball, but they also screwed up the first half ending by not getting a field goal oftentimes so that's six points left on the board as well i mean it's they're still probably the best team in the league and you know you gotta uh tip their hat in terms of the talent oh, the eagles beg one. to differ <laughs> i i think they're still the best team in the league but if they want to win championships you have to you can't lose games like this you can't lose games because you were not prepared and made too many stupid mistakes um, and in terms of the dolphins give them credit yeah they they maximized the, the scoring potential of their offense. They weren't on the field all that much, but they still managed to score basically on all, all the big drives, lots, a couple of big throws to get them down the field. And their defense was bend, not break all, all day. They had one, they faced one 20 play drive and managed to get away without giving up any points. I mean, you got to give them props for, because they are fighting in that heat as well, 40 minutes of play time, and they were right there at the end making stops. So give credit to the Dolphins defense, but the Bills, if you guys want to win, the Super Bowl, this is not good enough. And someone, Sean McDermott needs to be shouting at people, not just at the players, but at the backroom staff and absolutely everyone. It's not good enough that they let this game slip through their fingers. Yeah, but I think that's actually good for them. I think it would motivate them because I think this is kind of almost like the bizarro inverse of that New England game that they lost last year, which was in the, you know, the squall where basically the entire thing got rained out. Like this is obviously the complete opposite in terms of weather, but it's, a, it's an equally unusual set of circumstances because like the Bulls had so much offense in this game that I think they almost inadvertently like rope a themselves. Like by the end, they just looked actually completely exhausted. Of course, as you're right, Sean, they probably could have taken some steps and been less arrogant and been more aggressive in kind of the things you need to do to keep you like cool during the game when you're on the sideline. But the problem wasn't that they were on the sideline too much. It's that they were on the field too much and not converting that into points. Like they just consistently screwed themselves over. Allen fumbled early in this game. That led to the Miami's first touchdown. Uh, their kicker shanked the field goal. Gabe Davis dropped the touchdown at a key point uh, in the in the second half 
Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, obviously, as you said, made a huge mistake not getting out of bounds. And as you said, they could have had points at the end of the first half if they managed to clock better. So, you know, and I think on the defense, they also had a couple of missed drops as well. So it's just like a, a, you know, a collection of calamities for the Buffalo team, which meant that their offense was getting all these yards, staying on the field, getting exhausted, exhausting itself. And that just meant that, you know, Tua showed up for like 20 minutes in the game, threw it deep against a very inexperienced secondary uh, when it mattered, particularly in the second half. Um, and that was enough in this game to get it done. But like, I, I think this is the kick in the arse the Buffalo Bills will probably uh, what will want to have had at this point of the season, that they didn't get too high in their own supply. And I think for Miami, like I think this also gives them the confidence. So I think, yeah, obviously I think Buffalo should have won this game based on all of the statistics and all the analytics. But, you know, sometimes games are weird. Miami's a bit weird. And I wouldn't take too much away from this in the long term. But uh, I think for Miami, this gives them the shot in the arm they need to view themselves as a genuine contender. And with the momentum that they're building with their new head coach, with the QB feeling in himself, and obviously with all the talent that they have on both sides of the game, it's a really good step for them. And I think, you know, for me, the big surprise package of this game was how effective that Miami defense was at key points, uh, particularly uh, in terms of getting pressure on Allen. So I think that the foundation that they have is pretty significant. I don't know if they're at the Buffalo's level yet, but by the end of the season, maybe this will be a, a situation where they could genuinely just win, you know, by a quality alone. Yeah, that was a very exciting game. And uh, it's, uh, you'll see people angry on both sides of this when everyone starts putting out. I suppose by the time you'll listen to this, all the power rankings will be out there. And I'm sure people will be angry either way. So uh, we'll see how they all go. Uh, Kansas City in Indianapolis up next, 17-20. to 20. Uh, This was... One of those weird games, uh, Indianapolis managed to eke out a win with an incredible eight and eight, slightly over eight minute long drive at the tail end as uh, Matt Ryan, who went for 222 yards, two touchdowns and a fumble, um, finishes strong after what had been quite a kind of pedestrian, boring day for him. Uh, Jonathan Taylor got 91 yards. It was kept mostly under wraps by the KC defense. Uh, but Kansas City just didn't look up to scratch at all in this game. Uh, they were making mistakes. A lot of people will put this on. So they had they were missing a kicker. So that's already a couple of a couple of points gone because they had a two missed kicks and a a spectacularly bad uh, fake uh, fake punt that uh, that didn't work either. As well as a couple of special teams mistakes like a fumble early on. But uh, the team was just not converting up to into points the running game didn't really get going um and people kind of put it on that rather than Mahomes but there was also when you look at the all 22 Mahomes was missing open players underneath he wasn't checking down to running backs when that was what was being given to him and it just seemed a little bit messy uh, a little bit sloppy at times there was uh fighting on the sidelines particularly going into the half between offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy and Mahomes uh for what was frankly a cowardly approach to just before the half time um but yeah they still we're in with a shot at the tail end to tie this up, but uh, miscommunication led to an interception, and that was all she wrote. Uh, hopefully, this is the kick in the arse that uh, Kansas City need to start getting themselves moving a little bit. Uh, I don't think the play calling the last two games has been particularly inspiring. Um, and still, it was a spot that even with all the mistakes they had, they were still in it and, uh, and and should have been able to do it. If Butker isn't injured, they're, they're ahead by a couple of points at this point anyway, but... It was just not the performance of a of a of a championship level team, to be honest. Uh, for 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 Indianapolis, they eke out the win. They they've got to be happy with that. Uh, it was scrappy and it needed a lot of things to break right. Uh, the the big one, obviously, the people point out on the final drive was Chris Jones. Uh, 
talking to Matt Ryan and drawing a penalty for what he said and allowing them to stay on the field. They had uh, they had gotten a stop. I think it was fourth down and uh, the penalty flag gave them the yardage they needed to get over and let them stay on the field. He came out afterwards and said, this loss is on me. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I totally get it. Uh, Chris, you shouldn't have done it, but the loss isn't on you. Frankly, this is a Kansas City team that shouldn't be putting up 17 points against Indianapolis. Needs to get its shit together. Yeah, I think Kansas City were, you know, you can see they're a more talented team albeit still finding themselves on offense. Uh, but it's just one of those days, right? And it, it definitely felt that as the game went on, the Kansas City team was getting more and more pissed off that they weren't winning this game easily because I think they saw that they were better and they were just wondering, how the fuck is this team still hanging around? Uh, but hang around, they did. And in the end, they get the win, uh, the Colts. So, look, I think for Kansas City, you know, they obviously gift that touchdown to Indianapolis early by having the special team mistakes, the fumble by Sky Moore, who's obviously hasn't really seen much action on the offense. Obviously, the the, the, the replacement kicker, Amandola, had a mare of a day, missing a field goal and a point after touchdown. So, obviously, he's now cut, I believe. So, uh, I think that gives you an indication of where they felt oh, on him. Oh, he, oh, he cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, you have those big mistakes. And then, of course, you have kind of weird play calling, like the failed big punt, which was inexplicable. And, you know, Tommy Townsend, like, you know, you're you're going for a fourth down in a very aggressive way. Just give it to, to Pat Mahomes. I don't know why you're you're trying to do this. And I think, like, that's that sense of frustration and everything's going against you. And the team just didn't look in sorts. And, of course, you highlighted that fight that happened between Pat Mahomes and Eric Benenemy before the, the end of the half. That just seemed to be indicative of where this team was today. And I think, like, look, there are definitely concerns if you're a Kansas City fan on the offense that after week one, where the Arizona Cardinals inexplicably tried to pretend it was three years ago by having the one high safety look and just allowing the, the Chiefs to go full Mahomes on it um, that the last two weeks both the Chargers and the Neoblavs have, have reverted to the two high shell they've reverted to forcing the Chiefs to go underneath and you know I think you know while Pat Mahomes has done a good job with that he's obviously a lot better than he was a couple of years ago or early last year certainly um, that it, it's obviously much more difficult for them to score points that way they have to be much more disciplined and when you don't have a Tyreek Hill who can turn a five yard gain into a 10-yard gain just by the fact that he's Tyreek Hill, that, that that sense of that stuff kind of becomes even more important. And, of course, you have, like, Travis Kelsey there, and he obviously still trusts him, though Kelsey had a, a drop uh, that could have been a touchdown this game that I think probably only exacerbated that feeling of this wasn't our day. Uh, but I think, you know, Mahomes isn't quite on the same page with these receivers yet. You know, he doesn't have that, you know, you know, when you have that such a natural link that like he had with Hill, and now you're dealing with like MBS and 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 Juju Smith-Schuster, and they're not quite doing what exactly what you want to do. Like you think about the um the interception that happened on the final drive, it just felt like a small miscommunication uh, that was highlighted by Tony Romo. It's just yeah, it just you know obviously I think they'll sort it out as the season goes on. But a bit like the Patriots during so many years, a big part of being a championship team and a team that's already at its peak um is finding ways to win and having to ch- adapt and change over the years. As for Indianapolis, like. Like, look, I don't think they're good, but like, look, I think they kind of saw, I suppose, what they wanted to see with that final drive, an eight-minute drive where Ryan was efficient. John and Taylor got involved a lot. They even got a little bit of action from Jelani Woods, their rookie tight end, who does look like an absolute monster, even if he can't run routes. Um, but like, I think you know, week one it was great. Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman look good. Teams are keying in on that. Ryan is getting under pressure. He's fumbling the ball a lot more than you would like, um, and he had another fumble in this game. But, you know, I think just getting the win, getting off the shine and not being 0-3, at least you get, you can, you know, you can at least, you've reached the bottom, hopefully, and next week maybe you can start 
getting back on your feet again. So I think, you know, for Indianapolis, this isn't a win that says that they're actually back or that they're good, but at least it's a win that stabilizes thing. And then we'll see where they can build from here. They're obviously in a division where they'll have chances to win against lesser teams, uh, but they'll take the look that they got here and uh, move on. Yeah, not, not an awful lot to add to what, what Fitz said there. I mean, this is just a game that Casey let get away. I mean, self-inflicted defeat. I mean, you can make the argument this is what our early parts of the season are for, especially for a Chiefs team. I mean, the difference I would, I would argue between the Bills' loss and Chiefs' loss is the Bills are a ready-made team and they should be ready to go now. Where the Chiefs are still trying to – they're in that post-Hill phase. They're still trying to figure out how this offense works. They're hoping that this team is going to be really good come week 12, week 13 or whatever, and they can get on some momentum going into the playoffs. Um, and it, it's a learning curve, and you, you argue this is what some of the early parts of the season are for. I mean, special. I mean, you can argue, you can put it down to just say special teams errors cost them. I mean, the muffed punt, uh, a fake field goal, fuck up, a missed pa- a PAT, a missed field goal. I mean, that's a lot of points uh, left on the board there. They only scored three points in the second half, which would be a little bit worrying when you have Pat Mahomes under center. They're still trying to figure things out, as as Ronan said. Juju kind of screwed up the last play and, and inadvertently caused the interception. So there's 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 chinks to, to be ironed out of this team. They're, they're, they're problems to be fixed, but it is, at least they'll say, at least this is week three and this is not week week 13 or week 14 and we're still working on this. And given the history, as, as we saw last year with, with you know, what Andy Reid can do, I mean, he, they are a problem-solving team. They do have, know how to solve problems. Sometimes it takes them a few weeks, but I, I would expect this Casey team to be a lot better as things go on. In terms of Indianapolis, I really think, I mean, it's a weird thing to be saying in, after a win against the Chiefs, but I think this team has taken a step backwards. They're actually, last season, they were edge of the playoffs. They had a lot of good talent in Taylor. That They looked like a pretty decent team that just blew it at the end because Carson Wentz was a quarterback. Now they look they look very mediocre. They, they look pretty terrible. Taylor's not quite as good as he was last year. Ryan maybe brings consistency, reliability, but there's no dynamism anymore. I just don't believe in this team, and and I think they're going to struggle to to get a winning record by the end of it. It's it's it almost feels like Matt Ryan's energy is turning this team into the Falcons somehow, um, which is kind of a weird thing to happen. You got to give props to the defense; did a good job of suppressing the the Chiefs' offense for most of this game. But yeah, I wouldn't if I'm a Colts fan. I I would be looking at this as a freak result and not something that they can build on going forward. Yeah. Next up, Detroit at Minnesota, uh, 24 to 28. Uh, Kirk goes for 260 and two touchdowns and overcomes a kind of shitty day to overhaul a 14 to 24 deficit. Uh, finishing it off with a touchdown to Osborne with uh, 25 seconds left, 71 yard touchdown. It was, yeah, like it was set up by a failed Detroit field goal, which was a choice, <laughs> I suppose. Um, I think if you're going to yeah, go for a field goal there, I would probably have just gone for it, full stop. Um, yeah, there's almost again a symmetry because the first I was going to say yeah. was also a missed field goal. Yeah, so they well yeah because they, they decided to to, to to mess up and not go for it then, and he kind of said like ah oh, if I could take that back I would. Um, yeah, it's 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 not great. Like they, the Lions had a good solid rushing performance, over 120 yards and two touchdowns. Goff looked fine. He looked kind of like what you'd expect maybe on the upper end of it, like 270 yards, a touchdown and interception. Um, they, they're banged up a little bit on offense, so they had to go to secondary guys, but it kind of worked out pretty well. To be honest, it felt like Detroit should have had this one. Um, I think around the point, that whenever whenever their defense stopped Minnesota uh, and got a turnover on downs with was it two minutes and 20 seconds left or whatever, it felt like they had it in the bag then. And then, you know, that kind of, that, slight 
ugh, like I don't I don't want to say like kind of lack of experience because like they're experienced in a lot of ways, but just like not not knowing how to gut out the tail end of one of those matches, like even just that decision to go for that big field goal when you're like like either go for it on offense if you think that's a possibility or do you know what your defense held them and got a turnover on downs to get to that point make them do the whole fucking field like there's just some situational football that they're making mistakes because this i like as much as you know it's good for minnesota they got there and they had a kind of a good final drive to get there detroit had this game won and detroit mismanaged winning this game in the last two minutes yeah, I think Detroit are going to be kicking themselves. Obviously, this is a something they had quite bad last year in terms of not being able to close out games or not being able to kind of finish off comebacks. They just seem like a team that still has that little psychological, you know, hangover, kind of like we're the Detroit Lions, we don't win games. And, of course, Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn and the rest of that coaching staff there, I'm sure they're going to spend a lot of time this week trying to build them back up, get them ready, and hopefully in the future the, the coin flips will go their way and they can get, get the wins that they deserve. Um, I think, like, for Detroit, look, like, they lost Amon Ra for a while. He was also banged up towards this game. He came back in, but he was banged up. Not the same player. Swift, we know, is obviously going to be missing. Uh, past few weeks, he was missing. So, you know, you're relying on your kind of secondary players. You're relying on Josh Reynolds. You're relying on Jamal Williams. And they're good players. Like, they're solid, good players. But they're not like game-breaking players that we saw with Amon Ra last week, what we saw with Swift in week one, guys who can just turn, you know, a 10-yard gain into a touchdown from anywhere on the field. So the whole thing becomes a little bit more pedestrian, and then Goff is relied on a little bit more to, you know, keep the cha- keep the chains moving, keep the things solid. And while Goff didn't have a terrible game, it still wasn't a particularly inspiring game. Like, he's very much there to orchestrate things, a point guard-type quarterback, a trailer-type quarterback. He's never going to win you the game, but he won't lose you the game. But when you're missing your elite guys, it just shows so much more. And the defense, like the defense overall had a really good day. Like I think Jeff Okuda is having a comeback year. You have to be really positive about that. They kept Justin Jefferson basically completely off the stat sheet in this game. I think uh, he had uh, less than 20 yards and he only had three catches. So they, you know, they are doing things. They are scheming things up, but like Dalvin Cook had a pretty good game. So the Minnesota Vikings were never out of this game fully, but you know, they were forcing Kirk Cousins to become full-on check-down Charlie-type uh, quarterback, trying to have to just dink and duck and being inefficient. I think he didn't have any... I think he only had one pass over 20 yards until that final drive where they gave up two 28-yard uh, uh, completions in a row to KJ Osborne. So that gives you an indication of just like, you know, everything's looking so good. The defense is getting better week on week, but then they just have that collapse at the end and you're just, you know, you know, especially against a team like the Minnesota Vikings who aren't exactly known for being a team that, that, that kind of rises to the occasion or Kirk Cousins certainly isn't the guy who rises to the occasion. To have that him do that against you, it's definitely got to sting a little bit. So... I think for me, look, I think the Minnesota Vikings are better than last year. And I think the coaching, you know, the fact they're not in a toxic coaching relationship anymore between the head coach and the, and the quarterback, I think that's certainly helping in cases where the pressure is on and they're not fighting each other. Um, so that's definitely been an improvement. But, you know, Justin Jefferson hasn't done much this week or last week. So you have to be concerned that teams have caught up to them. And Dalvin Cook obviously has now got a shoulder injury. We'll see how much he plays and how much Alexander Madison is mixed in. We'll see if the run game can keep up to it. So I think for Minnesota, like, I think getting wins like this are really important but they still strike me very much as kind of a wild card type team as for Detroit I think they're equally a wild card team and in the NFC I definitely think they have a good shot of making that wild card and potentially winning the division if Green Bay don't book up in the next while um, but yeah I think for Detroit just another bad beat 
uh, and something they have to get over. And I think, you know, I trust that the coaching staff, the one thing they have on their side is culture that they can get over this. But, you know, if Amon Ra misses minutes, if Swift misses minutes, you know, you do worry for the offense being quite as explosive as it looked like in those first two weeks and uh, being, you know, keeping up uh, the W's that they need uh, when those guys come back. Yeah. Next up, Green Bay at Tampa Bay, uh, fourteen to twelve. This isn't a scoregami, no. Uh, <laughs> I saw no. the, I saw the numbers. And I was like, I don't think I've seen this very often. Um, yeah, defense leads away. This kind of, you know, goat versus baby goat thingy. But yeah, so basically Brady versus, you know, our ayahuasca sipping friend. Brady went for two seventy one and a touchdown. Um, look quite frustrated at times in this game. Um, he was trying to get the best he could out of the team given he's missing his number one receiver and his number two receiver and probably his number three receiver as well russell gage led the way with 87 yards and a touchdown um and like yeah kind of it was it was it was messy basically it didn't look like what you'd want to see but like i said there's a lot of pieces missing on that offense at the moment um the defense performed pretty well shutting down a lot of what green bay tried to do uh rogers at 255 yards two intercept two touchdowns and one interception i uh, started to get some stuff done with dubs uh getting 73 yards and a, and a touchdown there but yeah it was uh, a jones fumble that killed the momentum of their defense at the step up they got two fumbles they got three sacks they got five tackles for a loss um like this was kind of doing pretty well at halftime they were up 14 to 3 so they didn't really do much in the second half apart from slowly defend that uh defend that lead and stop the i think it was a two-point conversion that was uh being attempted towards the tail end as well that uh that, that stopped this from going to overtime this was not exactly sean the the it's not exactly what we would think of if we think of uh a, a, a a Rogers versus Brady battle for the ages kind of thing. But I suppose these, these guys have very rarely gotten to play each other in their careers. Uh, yeah. It's a very strange universe to be habiting, to be talking about a Brady versus Rogers game. That was defense dominated. Um, it, and there are, there are excuses in terms of injuries and transition, et cetera, et cetera, that you can do. But I, if I was either of these two teams, I'd be a little bit worried that their seasons hasn't quite got going yet. The Packers maybe looks a little bit more positive in terms of where they're going. The Bucks seem to have quite a few problems on the on the offensive side. Um, that it, they're going to hope that injuries are going to going to fix, but I'm not I'm not I'm not convinced that that they're going to do that. Um, so I mean, the game was basically won in the first two drives by by the Packers. Rogers got off to a hot start. You could kind of feel that the 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 Green Bay passing game was slowly coming together. Rogers was starting to figure out he can trust the the rookie Romeo Dobbs had a very good drive and generally with a good game. I think he was he was possibly the the the, the highest receiver for for the the Packers. They got out to a fourteen three lead and everything looked solid. And then it just kind of the momentum just kind of evaporated. They started making mistakes. They stopped executing. That the Bucks defense started to step up and suddenly things looked a bit vulnerable. So there is still, they still have that Rogers magic. He's, he's starting to find out who he can trust in terms of his wide receivers, but it's not quite there yet. They're very much reliant on their defense to, to carry, kind of carry them through these early parts of the season. And, and they are looking quite good in, ter- in terms um, of that. So it's, it's kind of a very weird Packers team where it's defense first and, and they're still trying to figure things out on the offensive side for the books. I mean, it's, it's a very, it's, Oh, it, it kind of feels like after that, you know, one step too far for Brady. It kind of feels like a little bit the, the season, the season that shouldn't be. Um, you kind of hope that when people like Evans and Godwin come back, things will start to click a bit more on the offensive side because he just, just, just doesn't have the wide receivers. 
he needs right now. Um, there is maybe some potential, as much as I hate to say it, for Cole Beasley to st- maybe fill the Edelman-Welker role. He was used a little bit sparingly here in this game, but I can certainly see that that's the type of wide receiver Brady likes to have, and certainly he can fill that position. Um, but they couldn't really get an awful lot going, and when they did get things going, turnovers kind of killed them early on. And they just there was just never any feeling of a book's momentum on the offensive side. They were very much relying yeah. on their defensive to do it. Now that said, their defense is really, really good. I mean, it's we're talking about in the first three games, they're averaging conceding nine points a game, which is which is you know, that's pretty that's pretty damn elite. And when you if you showed someone that stat and said this is a defense that concedes, you know, nine points a game and they've got Tom Brady on their side, you'd be like, Well, they're gonna run away with this with this season and then they're going to easily win the Super Bowl, but it doesn't feel like that. It does. I said this last week. It does. There's elements of Peyton's last season with the Broncos here. It's just like this guy, this legend who's not quite with it anymore being carried by a strong defense. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how far it goes. Cause the NFC doesn't, I mean, outside of the Eagles, the NFC doesn't look world beating yet. Um, so the Bucks could get up there in, into into a good seed. Um, their division is a bit crap, and yeah, you never know. But I I kind of feel like this is it, and and we should not be surprised when Tom finally uh, closes the curtain on his career at the end of this season. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, not exactly sharing themselves in glory here but as i said it's early in the season who knows what these guys will look like later on in the season uh although tom at his age tends to look worse later on in the season so that's maybe not the best way to go with it next up san francisco at denver another oh, 10 to 11 score line um this was another game that didn't really have very much in the way of offense in it uh there were 17 punts in this game this game alone could have filled fitz's old uh like weather forecast punt report that he used to do um like the denver defense did lots Welcome to punt zone punt zone it's a, a podcast within a podcast um they had a, the Denver defense got a safety and interception, two fumbles, four sacks, five tackles for losses, and the San Francisco D four sacks and seven tackles for losses, both only allowing about 250 yards. So like, big defensive game here. Denver just about make it out of the way because of some San Francisco mistakes. There was a, a fabulous safety where maybe just kind of planted his leg out and went, oh, this seems like a good platform to throw from. Um, he was stamping on racism. It was okay. right there. Yeah, it was right there in the end zone. That seems that seems legit. Uh, <laughs> didn't he take his job? Uh, and then We're late a different Wil- time. Yeah, uh, a late Wilson could have led dro- touchdown drive, kind of got them there. By the way, look, Russell Wilson, don't wander around looking for adulation. You've ended up in punts, interceptions, and fuck all else for the last like 35 drives since you've joined Denver. Don't be like, yeah, check me out. I got the touchdown. Am I amazing? This was not a good performance and not worthy of looking for good uh, good feedback. Jimmy G, 200 yards or so, touchdown, a fumble. An interception, a safety, uh, did not look good at all. Um, their run game looked okay here and there, but really just, just nothing going for San Francisco at all. So all of those calls for, well, maybe a more stable set of hands in Jimmy Garoppolo. He knows the offense. Maybe this will be an improvement. Uh, it's not looking like that's very true, as it fits. This is a game that would be best described as one for the purists. Um, the fact that they put it on uh, at, you know, on prime one, time. One for the night. fucking masochists. Well, it was Sunday night football, or maybe it was Sunday shite football. I don't know. Like it was not particularly entertaining. 
um, except for the Orlovsky-style safety from Jimmy G. You know, one could argue that he did throw it away. At least he knew he had stepped out, albeit he threw a pick six, so maybe he was playing uh, 4D chess, so he, the safety was actually the better decision. But, like, three turnovers from Jimmy G, that safety, that was the difference, really, in this game that meant that San Francisco weren't racking up the, the points um, when at least they had something like a decent run game for certain points of this game, and they had an early lead. Uh, but, yeah, just absolutely awful from Jimmy G. Um, he will... Like he definitely just looked like a quarterback who had no preseason and has not been in camp for like the entirety of the year. He just looked kind of lost out there outside of a nice early touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. And like Jeff Wilson looked okay in the run game, so they had something going there. It wasn't a complete disaster uh, for some periods. Like the, you know, they only had seven punts compared to Denver's ten punts. So, you know, you really got something there. But like look, I think it's a team that, you know, well, obviously, I think we'll get better as it goes along as Jimmy G re-familiarizes himself and they have talented guys like Debo Samuel and uh, Brandon Ayuk who can make plays for Jimmy G and that's what we saw last year when they were successful. But in this game, it's just everything that they could do wrong, they just did do wrong. And on the other side, Denver, Denver didn't make mistakes. They were just bad. They just didn't make plays. Russell Wilson seems to be at the very, like almost a parody of what he looked like for for the Seahawks over the last few years where, you know, the big plays occasionally exist, but literally none of the middle of the field exists. None of the kind of just like make small plays, move the chain stuff exists. Just punt after punt after punt after punt after punt. And even though and even the run game was fairly pedestrian. Like, Javante Williams, nearly four yards a carry, but, like, he carried a 15 yards or 58. Like, it's just not not going to win you games. So, like, they're 2-1 and one, somehow, inexplicably, and are tied atop the, uh, you know, the best division in football or so we thought before the season. So, like, I think, you know, in these early innings, wins are what matters, and we'll see if they can figure it out from here. But, like, right now, it's such a mess. You're wondering, when is this going to click? When are they going to do? And maybe it's, like, maybe they just need to give in and just go, okay, Russell Wilson, you stole a playbook from your Seattle time. We'll just do that. We'll just pretend that I'm Brian Schottenheimer <laughs> over here and just do the deep balls to Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, and we'll forget about the middle of the field, and we'll stop trying to have that in, in-between game that, that I inherited from, from, Nathaniel, like from, uh, from Green Bay. Let's just stop. And maybe we'll come around because the Seahawks have had seasons like that where they kind of just give up on trying to make Russell Wilson not be Russell Wilson. He is what he is at this point. You paid him all that money, so you might as well try and maximize what you have. And look, that's going to lead to some um, a lot of punts the same, but at least you might get the explosive plays that the Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf were getting. I think Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are good enough they can get those. We'll see if they can do. As for San Francisco, I think it's just, yeah, they'll get better. But yeah, I think we're only talking about this game because I think we have belief for both these teams as the season goes on, can get stronger, can build it to their strengths and can be relevant in the playoffs, uh, perhaps uh, towards the back end of the season. But both of them right now look like they've got a lot of things to sort out a long way to go to get there. But the talent that they have gives you, well, gives you at least the sense that they have to do that or that it's certainly possible. But for now, very ugly football. Uh, they definitely both need to uh, see more interesting times ahead. But the defences are both really good, so they got something to build on at least. Yeah. Uh, next up, Baltimore at New England, 37 to 26. Uh, Lamar Jackson continued his MVP campaign, uh, throwing for 218 yards, four touchdowns and an interception, as well as in rushing for 107 yards and a rushing touchdown. Um, Andrews, look, 
played very well in this. Constantly was hitting this one kind of out and upright on the left-hand side, uh, 89 yards and two touchdowns. Um, New England, to be honest, I, th- I think I said this in the news section, but like I thought they played pretty well in this. They played this game pretty close until the end uh, with the defense stepping up and making plays and stuff like that. The run game, 145 yards and three touchdowns, which I think was always what we thought we were going to see a bit more of from this team. But uh, unfortunately, the Big Mac attack was not able to convert yardage into points. Uh, it passed for 321 yards, but had three interceptions. Uh, now, I must say, like, the three interceptions isn't representative of the full game because there was a couple of haul and hopes at the very end to try and uh, bring them in. But, um, yeah, the turnovers, the three interceptions and a fumble from Nelson Aguilar cost them a key times and kind of stopped because they, they, they got great. Particularly uh, Parker was very good in this one as well. Um, the Baltimore defense looked very shaky overall. And, yeah, like, good win for Baltimore. They definitely look like they can put up points. Um We've seen that there are things you can do defensively to to stop that if you have the right personnel. But the one thing is that their defense is not really appearing to be that kind of traditional Baltimore tough nose, we're going to shut you out kind of thing, which is fine. Again, it's, it's this problem that Baltimore have had the last couple of years, not massively unlike the Bills in recent years as well, where they will go and they will beat up on like mid-tier teams. And frankly, New England are at best a mid-tier team at the moment. Um and then whenever they come up against an offense that can go toe to toe and also can, can can do some things, their defense kind of falls behind or their offense falls behind. This was a good win for them, but this is Baltimore at New England in the current setup as they have should not be a game that takes this type of performance to win and should not have been ran this close. I don't feel in the slightest um, positive for New England that they were able to get that going, but I would see it as a red flag for the sustainability of what Baltimore are doing. Uh, if it's, you know, to continue all the way through to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see your point there, Connor. I mean, you, you think about the talent differential between these two teams, and this game should not have been close at all, and yet it was. And had it not been for kind of two big fourth-quarter turnovers, Mac throwing a, a very unfortunate uh, interception, and then uh, Aguilar's fumble, then quite possibly the, the Pats could have stolen this one. But uh, it's, I mean... It's hard. It is hard to find a, a kind of a criticism of the Ravens when offensively things are looking really good. I mean, Lamar Jackson is in. He's in that kind of form. He's in that we'll win the MVP, but then bomb out in the divisional round kind of form that we've seen him do before, where he looks really exciting. Um, but you wonder how sustainable it's going to be. Obviously, Mark Andrews is still a, a good part of the passing game, but he's starting to expand it. Jackson's becoming a lot more of a passer than a runner these days. I mean. He's pulling people like Devin Duvernay into into having good games, which is which is quite an achievement. I mean, Duvernay's having quietly having quite a good season by his terms, so it's looking quite good there. In once they they had a bit of a slow start offensively, once they got going, in special second half they looked unstoppable, and and that means that all the Ravens' defense really needs to do is is to make the kind of big stops because they know they're going to get their their thirty odd points. And all they need to do is do the explosive things. And that's what the Ravens defense has been good at this season, I think, is making those kind of big plays when it mattered. I mean, Marcus Peters making the, the hero uh, recovery of the fumble to effectively win the game uh, after Aguilar fumbled in the fourth quarter. It's just that's the kind of effort that I think they need to do. They're not, they don't need to be a shutdown uh, defense. Um, they, they can kind of be that kind of explosive explosive plays when it matters kind of defense also a flag of very real rarity here justin tucker missed an extra point um which is not a thing you see uh, every day and, and tucker fans will be will be crying 
um, for the next week because of that. In terms of the Pats, uh, I mean, I wanted to come into this talking about how things are slowly come together. They look a little bit better every every game. They look really they look really interesting, if not necessarily good in this game. That they were fighting hard. Devontae Parker is slowly being integrated into the offense. He had by far his best game in a in a Pats jersey. The defense doesn't look spectacular, but but it looks like it, it could compete if it needed to. And Mac Jones was was looking pretty good until all the, the errors start to kick in. But now the game got lost. The game was lost. Jones is injured, and this season looks already like toast. Um, by the time if if they don't they don't get through the next four or five weeks with a two or two and two or three and three kind of record, then there's going to be a lot of problem because because they're already fighting from a little bit of a talent differential, and to add into that, um, a kind of a key injuries is going to hurt them. But uh, as a Pats fan, I started off the season being very pessimistic. Their offense has started to look a, a lot better as things have gone on, but now I kind of feel with this big injury, the season is gone. So for the Pats, probably not the playoffs. For the, for the Ravens, I, I still think they're 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 up under a brand of the AFC, especially with Lamar in this kind of form. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see, as you say, if this they play the Bills next week, if this defense can can counterpunch against a, a really top team, yeah. um, and or if the if the the trauma of, of the the collapse against the Dolphins will, will stick with them for a while. Yeah, and the, and to we'll talk about it later, but that Bills team now kind of with. A lot of injuries in the back end should allow Lamar to continue this current form as well. But yeah, to see if they can go punch for punch with a with an offensive team would be would be a very interesting one now. Um, now, as you say, look, every game's important, but uh, some of them are just significantly less so. So here's Fitz with the dump off. Yes, another week in the books and uh, lots of less interesting games to get to. Uh, we'll start off with a close game, but we're on to your tricks, Las Vegas. We've given you some extra attention with your close games previously, but you're now in the... You're in the dog pound, we're spraying you with your water bottle and we're saying, no, you go into the dump off from now on, no matter how close your games are. They're obviously the only 0-3 team in the league. Um, Houston obviously having the tie in week one uh, to compensate. So are they literally the worst team in the league? Maybe not, but they are the most annoying team to have to cover or, or think about. In this game, uh, Tennessee, like look, Tennessee weren't great when they won 24-22 here. Um, they were 24-10 up at the half and that's Vegas as they ever do, decided, oh, well, we keep it close, but still lose anyway. And they came up short here on a two-point conversion. Um, I believe a missed to Darren Waller, and that's why they didn't go to overtime and Las Vegas uh, take another L. Um, you know, I think for Las Vegas right now, Devontae Adams is MIA. Um, Waller was quite bad. Their major weapon was Mac Collins, who's mostly well-known for that, uh, you know, the, 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 the Ryan Fitzpatrick throw that where he wasn't looking where he was throwing. So... That's an interesting development. I believe uh, Hunter Renfro was injured, so that's why he has more attention. But uh, yeah, it's not a great sign that you, you know Carr is kind of having a very meh season, like 300 yards here, two touchdowns, interceptions. The stats are okay, but it just doesn't feel good. And every time I see them, he seems to just like more passes than not are just going nowhere and don't look like they're making sense right now. As for Tennessee, like I think this is a big win for them to get off the shine and not be 0-3 themselves. Um, I think you know in the first half we saw kind of old school Tennessee, Tannehill using the play action, Henry getting some good yards, he had 143 in this game in total. Um, but similar to week one with the loss of the Giants, and in the second half they just seemed to give up and allow the the Vegas Raiders to get back into this. I think for a team that you know should have a strong run game since they have Derrick Henry. Um, it was a bit of a it's a bit of a worrying concern that they can't close out games. That's what they've been good at over the couple of the last couple of years. So I think they're still a step below where they were the last couple of years, and certainly concerns about them going forward. Um, but look, 
they get the win, they move on. Um, Las Vegas 0-3, lots, uh, lots of anger there. Devontae Adams is angry, the owner is angry. We'll see where it goes from here for McDaniels. Next up, Houston at Chicago, 2023, a close game, but like, look, I think, it, I think it's not too early to say that both these teams are unlikely to be in the playoffs. Like, Roquan Smith gets the key interception here on Davis Mills that, that turned into the field goal that won this game, in a game where both teams looked equally bad, let's be honest, throughout. Uh, Mills himself, 245 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, obviously, including the game loser. Um, pretty mediocre, but they're getting Damian Pierce involved, more over 100 yards and a touchdown here. Uh, but he had two fumbles, which they recovered themselves, so it didn't turn into a disaster, but I think once he had that second fumble, they brought in uh, Rex Burkhead, so don't, don't just don't do that. He's, I get it, fumbles are bad, but Rex Burkhead is worse. Uh, just don't, don't, okay? And then as for Chicago, Justin Fields basically non-existent this game outside of the two interceptions that he threw uh, only around 100 yards and 47 rushing he was absolutely hammered by the Houston defense which to be fair I think is a, an intri intriguing unit um, that could give some teams some fits over the course of the year two interceptions five sacks six sacks were lost but like look Chicago won this game called Khalil Herbert came in because of an early Montgomery injury he had 169 yards nice and two touchdowns um, so he looks explosive the run game has looked good for two weeks in a row so like look I know it's not 1952 or whatever like that, but for Chicago, it might just be better to keep running the ball like on first down and second down and maybe give Justin Field a chance in third down. Other than that, and to be honest, even then, probably still better running the ball um, and just, you know, let the defense be okay, let the run game be okay, and look, Justin Fields, he'll be better next year when he has some wide receivers maybe. Next up, Dallas at New York Giants, Monday Night Football, 23-16 win for Dallas. A late CD catch, uh, one-handed, very impressive. Uh, kind of gets another Cooper Rush uh, solid outing a win here um, although CD was also making up for a drop that he was quite bad earlier in the in the fourth quarter so yeah look overall good for Rush um, but the defense did most of the work here uh, Demarcus Lawrence had a really good game here um, and there was like an interception five sacks two of those for Lawrence six tackles for a loss and the rush attack looked effective both Pollard and Zeke looked good with Pollard uh, getting the most of the yards uh, but by equal touches each 178 in total and a touchdown between them um, so like look Dallas it's not spectacular, but it's exactly what you want to do when you lose your quarterback. Just be solid. Don't lose the game. And then, you know, let your opponents uh, take the fall. In this case, that was the New York Giants, who... I, I don't think Danny Dimes actually had a bad game. 196 yards in interception. But it's just that he was under such relentless pressure that he really just didn't stand a chance. And their best play just seemed to be let Danny Dimes rush the ball um, when when in an emergency situation. Because, they you know, they have these highly paid wide receivers. Sterling Shepard obviously went out of this game. But they're not doing anything for him. Thankfully, they have Saquon Barkley back to full Saquon form, 136 yards and a touchdown. Um, but, you know, the defense, I'd say, is safe but unspectacular. It's okay. Uh, but, yeah, just, without a passing attack, it's difficult to win games in the league. And Dallas had a more solid overall outing, including having somewhat of a passing attack. And that's why they won this game. So, big for Dallas. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, keeping that wildcard spot if Philly uh, don't, don't drop off towards the end of the season seems uh, doable um, as they wait for Dak to come back. Although Cooper Rush is not replacing Dak, just, just don't put that in your mind. Uh, next up, Rams at Arizona, 20 to 12. A, a score that honestly flatters Arizona. Uh, the Rams rushed out to a 13 to not lead here, um, and then they just kind of faffed around for the rest of the game, or just weren't very good. And Matt Stafford looked a bit off. The run game looked okay and better, but then they had a really bad fumble by Akers late in the game, and they just kind of kept Arizona around. But Arizona just completely disorganized. Um, on the offense just like lots of just like Kyler being forced to throw it underneath um, uh, to uh, Marquis Hollywood Brown which is obviously not the thing that they bought him for a lot of Greg Dortch there in there as well it's just very weird and bad looking and the run game doesn't look that great with James Conner either so Arizona just a bit of a mess right now and yeah they're just like 
very inconsistent. And I think especially when you get to the red zone and the game, uh, the, t the, t the field condenses, the lack of fit for a short pass again and Kyler Murray becomes much more obvious. So unless Kyler Murray's going to do the crazy things he did last week in terms of just rushing around and taking 20 seconds to score a rushing thing, it's not really going to work. I think for the Rams, like they're still finding themselves another meh performance for them. But like, look, they're two and one. They're ahead of their division. Uh, they'll take that to go forward. We know that it can be better going uh, in the rest of the season. Next up, 27 to 23, probably the dumb fun game of the week uh, as Atlanta beat Seattle. Uh, Geno Smith, look, he threw the terrible. 4-18 desperation pick here. Obviously, you're all going to laugh about that. But, like, look, he actually looked. Let Gino Cook was not an illegitimate hashtag for most of this game. They let him open up the, the game plan a little bit more. He had a few explosive plays to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. It looked okay, albeit against probably one of the worst defenses in the league in Atlanta. Um, the run game didn't exist, though, which was a contrast with Atlanta, where uh, Corel Patterson had a really good game, 150 yards and a touchdown. And Mariota, while up and down, he had like two turnovers and two touchdowns. I think the big thing for them is they actually found Kyle Pitts this week. That's progress for the passing game. And Drake London continued to have beat solid. He had 50 yards and a touchdown. So, look, the Atlanta defense basically did nothing until the last couple of drives where they actually made the key plays. Um, but, like, their offense is fun. And I think given where we thought they might be at the beginning of the season, that's something to look at. And for Seattle fans... Look, I don't see how many wins there can be where the defense is just absolutely awful, but at least the offense might be moving into something that is at least watchable, uh, which is more to be said for what they did last week. Next up, Jacksonville at the Chargers, 38-10. to Just an absolute beatdown by the uh, by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sean's pick of them as kind of this year's wildcard up-and-comer. Seems fairly safe right now. Admittedly, against the Chargers team, which is basically flailing around with an injured quarterback, they lost their left tackle, didn't have their center here, you know, they're missing the top wide receiver, they're missing the cornerbacks injured, um, you know, they obviously missed their, their edge rusher got injured in this game, so like, the, the Chargers are imploding right now, but, you know, what's important is that when the other team's imploding, you just take care of your business, and the defense is growing into a really promising unit, and Trevor Lawrence, while not spectacular, three touchdowns, 262, playing it safe, keeping the ball, being efficient, and just being grown week by week into the quarterback that I think we're hoping to see him become, given the status he had coming out of the draft. James Robinson's been a revelation coming back off his Achilles injury, 116 yards and a touchdown, including a key touchdown on a fourth down that, where he just gashed the defense. And I think overall, Jacksonville, everything's just coming together. You got your two wins. You got to be optimistic going forward, uh, which is basically the complete opposite of Chargers, where Herbert obviously hurt. Every time he went to the ground, just looked like an old man. And while you saw flashes of Justin Herbert, like big plays, it wasn't enough because the run game doesn't exist. The defense took a step down when um, uh, Bosa went out of this game. So it's just very little. Like Herbert's been asked to carry this team and his ribs are literally broken right now. So uh, might be a bit too much for him to be carrying. Next up, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Thursday night football, 17-29. to Just a, you know, a fairly safe, effective win by Cleveland. Um, you know, the first half was quite close. Pittsburgh were up by one point, but Nick Chubb, once again, puts in his work, 113 yards and a touchdown. Brissett, once again, was solid, 220, two touchdowns with Barry Cooper and David Njoku basically being the entirety of the pass game, which is building off those kind of play-action concepts and quick passing concepts that Brissett is okay at and is good enough at. And when you're playing against the Pittsburgh team where their offense is just completely missing in action right now, Trubisky, 200 yards and a touchdown, that's slightly better than before, but, you know, outside of a really impressive Pickens catch early in this game, it just didn't really go anywhere. And 
just I, I still on the Kenny Pickett train. I think, you know, you need to see what this guy can do because this offense right now just isn't doing anything. And this was against a Cleveland defense that was missing a bunch of starters, so not great for them overall. And I think for Pittsburgh, the other big concern is their run defense is just absolutely terrible right now, and their pass defense is definitely not really at the best. So bad defense, bad offense, Pittsburgh, you know, get something in there to get things shaken up. Yeah, not, no. not to disappoint you, Fitz. Tomlin's come out and said, uh, no, we're very happy Trubisky's good. He's getting better every single week. We've no plans to swap quarterback. Yeah, well, they always say that before they do it. But, like, anyway, New Orleans to Carolina, 14-22. to Carolina, similar to the Browns, I suppose, they kind of just take care of business. Solid enough. They're kind of treating CMC as if he was Derrick Henry and just rushing the ball because Baker Mayfield refuses to pass the running backs. But, like, look, it worked enough here. And Baker's stat line probably mostly saved by 67 uh, touchdown uh, play by Chenault, which was mostly Chenault doing the work for him. Uh, but the defense looked better here. Uh, touchdown uh, on a fumble by uh, New Orleans. Two interceptions. They blocked the field goal. They just kind of made New Orleans life hell in the first half in particular. Um, New Orleans, like, look, they're playing Winston at the moment. Uh, touchdown, two interceptions, 350 yards, lots of yards, but mostly empty yards uh, towards the end of the game. And he's obviously playing hurt. He has, like, a, I think some issues with his back, his spine. Um, they have Andy Dalton. They're paying him as a fairly high, you know, like, I don't know if Dalton would be better, but I think at least it would be safer and you wouldn't be, you know, making this guy play through the pain uh, in a situation where he doesn't look ready. Kamara, he came back, didn't really do much. That's definitely a worry. And the defense is definitely not the issue with this team, but maybe it's not quite the defense that we thought it would be before the season. So concerns all over for New Orleans team that could easily spiral into irrelevancy if they don't book up soon. Next up, Cincinnati at the New York Jets, 27-12. The perfect get-right game for Cincinnati. Uh, their superior talent tell, told throughout as the defense got four turnovers, four sacks, six tackles for a loss uh, from Flacco, who was just giving the ball away throughout the game. Uh, he had nearly 200 yards, but those turnovers just can't be allowed to happen. Um, I think the only good thing for them that, about that is that, you know, uh, Zach Wilson is pretty much ready to come back, so you might as well have your you know, backup quarterback basically get rid of all the hope around them um, before that happens. Burrow was composed and pretty good and mostly kept clean in this game. Uh, three, three touchdowns, 275 yards, and the offense was more solid. The run game is still missing. That's definitely a concern for Cincinnati, but we'll see if they can get that back after Burrow has an up game here. Um, the Jets, look, Brees Hall's getting involved. Uh, Sauce Gardner had a good game shutting down Jamar Chase. So th there are spots of hope there for the Jets, but the limits of this team are becoming very obvious. And for a team that's in year two of a, of, of a rebuild, that, that's definitely a concern going forward. And then finally, Philly at Washington, where I inexplicably believed last week that maybe this would be a contest. No, this was 24-8, a wood chipper game, um, where basically the Philadelphia Eagles took Carson Wentz and the commanders to the back behind the sheds and just turned them into a burgundy paste. Um, and most of all, Wentz, where the Philly defense got nine sacks, 17 QB hits, eight tackles for a loss. Carson Wentz was absolutely destroyed in this game uh, with the eight points they got coming from a safety and a late touchdown. Yeah, pretty disastrous overall. While on the other side, Hurts basically, you know, he had three touchdowns, 360 yards. Devonta Smith had a huge game, 169 yards, a touchdown nice again. Um, Brown got his touchdown. And this was despite them faffing around. They had some bad fourth down conversions that they missed. They obviously gave away a safety in this game. They were pretty inefficient in the red zone, but it didn't matter because Washington just did not exist in this game. The, the difference in class was obvious for all to see. And, and I think that's a suitable way to think about the end of this week's dump off. Uh, so, goodbye, Washington. I'm not going to consider you anyway good going forward. Okay, so on to the picks for next week. Uh, Thursday Night Football, Miami at Cincinnati. This is my pick of the week. Uh, obviously, we have Miami in ascendancy here, looking great, having their win over the Bills. Uh, Burrow is kind of falling down in the stocks, mostly because of sacks that are hitting them. Um, 
yeah, it's it, it's an interesting one. Since I looked to have righted the ship a bit there last week, but uh, this is a hot Miami team coming in. I'm intrigued to see this for several reasons. Both, look, these are teams who Miami have surprised me this year. I would expect them to probably be in there towards the tail end. Cincinnati, I'm expecting to come back round. I'm picking Miami in this one because uh, I think they're going to be able to just outspeed them a little bit. And the defense really impressed me last week. And uh, given Cincinnati's woes, once the uh, once they start to get any kind of pressure, uh yeah, you'd kind of think that that would work. But the big thing I'm watching this for is the fact that as soon as the game was done against the Bills, Tyreek Hill was tweeting at Eli Apple saying he's coming for him after he gave him shit uh, losing in the AFC Championship game. So uh, I just want to see that matchup, both because it'll be hilarious to watch Eli Apple get done, but also that, like, quite frankly, Hill's got good yardage. He doesn't have, like, a big play quarterback into it so far this is a spot where he can actually target at him because Eli Apple is very throwable on so should make for some exciting stuff um, so yeah my, my my pick here is that uh, Sean you've gone for Cincinnati is there anything you want to add to that? Uh, yeah maybe more out of hope than expectation obviously the Dolphins look quite talented but I think they are mostly it's mostly defense then a little bit of you know fireworks occasionally from the offense um, I mean it's it is just, I think, that the Bengals have got right. I mean, I think their O-line is still a bit of a mess, but we know the talent of Burrow and Chase. Uh, and we know that they have, in terms of a secondary, they uh, they probably won't put Apple anywhere near Tyreek Hill. And they do have some other good secondary pieces back there, Bates and Rousier, for example. So I think it'll be a good game, but I just kind of feel that the Bengals, maybe they've got their mojo back. And this might be one of those mojo games, whereas the, the Dolphins might have a little bit of a hangover from the, the win against the Bills where they kind of come down to earth a little bit. Yeah, little bit. yeah Sorry, with, with the way Sean's talking about them keeping Tiger Killer away, I'm imagining it's kind of Benny Hill scenario where like <laughs> basically Hill just chasing <laughs> Apple around <laughs> like from side to side. But uh, yeah, like look, I think Miami have shown enough that we, we should favor them. And like Cincinnati, I, I like Cincinnati and I, I think they'll get right. But I think Miami's defense in particular, given how sloppy that offensive line is be i could see them getting pressure on burrow and we've seen that that when you get pressure on burrow to the extent that teams have been doing early this year mm. that the offense just kind of falls apart to some extent yeah look if, if cincinnati are going to survive and i'm with you that they do have a chance in this one um they need to get Mixon going early and off. They need to establish that run game and they need to establish the like, you know, the exit routes for pressure out to him on the outside. Um, so I think that's their key to win in this one. Next up, we have uh, the New York Jets at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've gone for the Jets. You boys have gone for Pittsburgh, Sean. Yeah, obviously two not fantastic teams. Um, one. What? what? Pittsburgh have no op- <laughs> <laughs> Pittsburgh have have no offense, but uh, their defense is is pretty good. Although it's it's kind of dropped off a bit since. Um, also, their um, uh, their safety Fitzpatrick. Uh, I just saw a report there is in concussion protocol at the moment. Right, so that's not great either. Uh, on the other side, the Jets are. I mean, they're they're a fun team to watch, and they they try hard, but they their defense is absolutely terrible i mean they they really they make elementary error for a team that's being coached by robert Sala. the jets make some really terrible defensive mistakes i mean i think it'll probably be quite low scoring there'll probably be turnovers all around but i mean zach wilson he, he blows very hot and cold and where he's going to be coming back off an injury it's it's i i can't imagine him hitting the ground running straight away whereas i mean yeah, I'm not. I'm not on board the Trubisky plane either. But I think they they they'll probably get maybe twenty points in this, and that will probably be enough to beat the Jets. Yeah, um, I'm basically just of the. I, I don't know if Pittsburgh can score points, and I think I'm, I'm with I'm with Fitz, and I'd like to see them swap 
quarterback and I think a loss to the Jets at home might uh, might force that uh, issue. Next up, Minnesota at New Orleans. We've gone from Minnesota across the board. Um, yeah, like, will Winston get benched? He's apparently got quite bad back injuries. Like, the Minnesota offense, as we've talked about, is looking a lot better. This New Orleans defense hasn't really been up to the scratch at the level that we thought it was going to be. Uh, now, they are injured. There's injuries to, 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 to Cook, uh, like Justin Jefferson, for some reason, has just not turned up to work recently. But like, well, week one was so amazing. He's like, well, that's me done for the month. Yeah, I'll be back in October. Like, I, it's, I'd love to see New Orleans do it, but like, I don't know. At the at the moment, New Orleans are just a little bit all over the shop. Um, yeah, Minnesota, I, I, I don't like, but like, like we said, they are a bit better than they were last year. Um, they are I just a fucking it's... fluke away from losing to the Lions, though, as well. Like, like I'm let's not, like... let's not get a, let's not go too too far ahead of ourselves on Minnesota. And kind of like with New Orleans, it's more out of hope than expectation that we think that like maybe they can turn this around. Like they have a lot of talented players. Um, they have guys on offense that could be exciting. Michael Thomas a good in week one. Um, Jarvis Chris Olave looks like a revelation as a rookie uh, wide receiver. Uh, like he looks really good. Alvin Kamara maybe he can get back in form. You know the rust was been kicked off last week. He just didn't look himself and look. Maybe they should be benching with if he's hurt and just not trying to force this thing. And just look, Andy Dalton, I know it's not great, but like we've seen backup quarterbacks do well with the New Orleans system. I know they don't have Sean Payton anymore, but maybe he could work. But it's just it's just hard to pick New Orleans right now. But I'm like, there's so much talent that maybe they can get them done. Um, as for Minnesota, like, look, I think there's a lot of questions about the offense with Dalvin Cook injured and Justin Jefferson going missing. But we'll we'll see about them. Like, you know, I think, you know, given where they are right now and they're 2-1 and the things look better than last year, we, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, Minnesota losing wouldn't exactly be surprising either considering Minnesota. But New Orleans, show us something there to give us some hope going forward. Yeah, Seattle at Detroit. Uh, Ronan, we've gone for Detroit across the board. Uh, this is not 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 a good game. Not yeah. even one for the purists. Well, it, it, this is a can to be a, a fun dumb game. It's going to be dumb. There's going to be there could be very little defense. Like, but you know the offenses will make some yards. But I think Detroit they've shown to be a better team. I think if Amon Ra is healthy, that if the, the Detroit offense can get going, and then you know J- J- Jamal Williams is a solid running back. And considering how bad the Seahawks defense has been, I just can't see a situation where Detroit don't get a bunch of yards and don't have a good chance of winning this game. Yeah, Seattle. You know, the offense is better, but the defense is truly awful. Give it to Detroit. Yeah, Geno Smith. Oof. Uh, Tennessee. The Gino's... defense is worse than no, defense Gino, is worse Gino, than Geno Smith. No, the yeah. defense is worse than him. Oh, no. Look, fuck that. He's look, not the problem. Geno Smith defense is fucking is terrible, though. <laughs> Ten... This full fucking Geno Smith is doing great narrative. He's not. He's fucking not terrible. Not great. I just said better than the defense. The terrible. defense is a bigger problem. Tennessee at Indianapolis. Uh, me and Fitz gone for Indianapolis. Sean's gone for Tennessee. I can see this as a pick em game. Uh, I don't think either of these teams are particularly good. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, to be honest... For, for for something that will like decide who gets to 500 and who can probably be in the, in, in the hunt for the playoffs, I could not give less of a shit about a game. Yeah, I just don't trust the Colts. I mean, I, I yes, they beat the Chiefs, but they're not a very they're not a good team at all. I just don't I just don't trust them to put kind of two decent wins back to back. And the Titans are they have Henry, they have Tannehill, who occasionally looks semi competent. I mean. They 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 should they've got better coaching whatever they should be they should be better than they have been at the start of the season so I think the, and this is the kind of game the Titans always seem to have a little bit of thing on the Colts of late they seem to have a bit of a voodoo on them so um, yeah I, I just give them to that in terms of I just I just can't I just yeah, I just hate the Colts the Colts are my new Vikings I just fucking hate them hmm. so I like I I like uh, I like their running back situation better I like their like top wide receiver. 
better. I don't like their quarterback at all, but I also don't like the I don't like the quarterback for the Titans either. Um, this is so, yeah. the we don't like either of these teams bowl, but you know someone's got to win, right? Someone's well, got to win. Actually, I'm going Taylor. Week one proves that they don't have to win, but uh, yeah, someone should win. Uh, probably like 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 in my in my head, if Las Vegas weren't the worst team in the league, uh, like they would have won the game last week. I don't like Tennessee were terrible. Uh, look, I neither of these teams are good, but yeah, whatever. No one cares if you're a supporter of either of those teams. Just wait till next year and, and watch then. Chicago with the Giants. Uh, I've gone for Chicago, and you two have gone for the Giants. There's going to be a very run heavy game. Uh, the Giants are, are looking all right recently, but can't deal with pressure. Chicago are looking bleh, but like have some defensive pieces. Both are going to lean heavily on the run game. We saw some interesting things out of Khalil Herbert after the injury to Montgomery from Chicago. Um, New York, for what for what they have, have a terrible offensive line. I've just lost one of their wide receiving weapons as well. And Daniel Jones, for all that they won two games, has looked dog shit. Justin Fields doesn't look great either. But just I'd take I'll take a scrap of a a scrap of a defense and a running game versus I don't really know Saquon Barkley and the hopes and dreams of like Daniel Jones to get another contract. Like, like at least I kind of feel like the Giants are invested in trying to make Daniel Jones work. Whereas I feel Chicago are like, oh yeah, that quarterback. Oh yeah, well, maybe next year we'll think about him. But like being invested in something working doesn't make it work. Like there's a lot of people who are into Bitcoin. It doesn't mean crypto is a real thing. Like yeah, but these are both shit coins. So yeah, it's true. They're both shit coins. <laughs> um, yeah, I've gone for Chicago. You boys have gone for New York. Uh, Jacksonville at Philadelphia. Uh, Philly are obviously high flying forms. I made a joke. I think they might be they're right up at the top anyway uh, of the power rankings for everyone this week, uh, apart from Sean, who thinks they're going to be terrible. Um, the hype train is hoping to go and knock off uh, Jacksonville, who are also looking much, much, much better of late. Their defense was great last week. They started to get some production out of their wide receivers. Uh, their running game has started to get moving. But this Philly team is moving fast, moving hard, and looks like it's going to be hard to stop. They're at home as well. Can this improve Trevor Lawrence's attack kind of do anything can this strong defense slow down the 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 the, the kind of the multi-headed attack they have in philly on the run game and through the air uh like we obviously don't think so because we've all gone for philly look i i i do think the eagles i said i thought they were a good team but i don't think i don't believe the hype but i'm still there i still think they're a good team probably the best team in the nfc east but i don't necessarily believe the hype that they're going to go and win the super bowl i mean who have they beaten at all so far this season they've beaten the vikings basically and until they, they, they give me something more impressive than beating the Vikings, I can't really get behind them. I do think that the Jags are obviously going to give them a good game. I think the Jags are confident now. They're starting to click on both sides of the ball. Um, but, yeah, the Eagles are just a tiny bit more talented. There's a tiny bit more advanced in terms of their development. It'll be I think it'll be quite a good game, though. I think it might be one of those exciting red zone games that go down to the wire. But I think, yeah, the Eagles to edge it for me. And, and this game is spicy because this is a Doug Pedersen revenge game and he's pissed <laughs> off, Angelo. He's he pissed, pissed off. off. He's like, I win a fucking Super Bowl for you and you fucking get rid of me? Like, you know he's licking his lips. You know that everything he's been building for the first three weeks and getting this Jags team into somewhat mm. of a fighting shape. This week he's telling these guys, go out and fucking kill these guys, guys. Like, you yeah. you think, you know, I, you know, I'm not Urban Meyer. I'm not taking the plane off to go get my uh, lap dance or something like that. I'm here to win. But if you guys do this for me, like, 
I'll do anything. I'll give you guys a lap dance. I don't fucking care. But like, look, Philly are the better team. They have Jalen Hurts going really well. Their offensive line is basically giving them all the time in the world. Um, and obviously their new weapon, AJ Brown, is having great. Devontae Smith had a great breakout game, and their defense looks really aggressive. I was going to say, like, like they, week, they, but... they, like they turned Carson Wentz into paste, and I'd be worried for Trevor Lawrence in this one. Um, yeah, I think this is the big. If Trevor Lawrence can have a good game here. You can yeah. start getting the hype train ramped up for this, but like I think that a little extra dugout special spite. I mean, I think Jacksonville will be bringing out every trick that they can think of to get the win over yeah. Philly here. So give them a shot, but Philly are the better team, so we favor yeah. them here. Next up, Chargers at Houston. We've gone for Chargers across the board despite the injuries, Sean. Yeah, I mean it's a tough one because the Chargers are, are on a downward slope, and obviously with all the injuries, they're not quite where they used to be. But they have at their peak looked like a really talented team on both sides of the ball. Whereas the Texans just have no talent whatsoever anywhere on hey, the field. Hey, so hey, you... Damien Pierce. Everyone loves Damien Pierce. The Rock Buckhead. Yeah, it's. Uh, I just think if there's any justice in the universe, the Chargers will be uh, able to get a couple of cheeky wins while they reassemble their team and get them back into, into playoff form. Uh, this they have to win. If they lose, if they lose this game. One of the most talented teams that I, I've seen this season are going to be one and three and heading for the bin. So God, actually, I, we, I, we, I almost want to change my pick next. It would be too fucking funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Next up is your pick of the week, Sean. Buffalo at Baltimore. Me and Sean have gone for Baltimore and Fitz has gone for Buffalo. Yeah, it's it's a big game in terms of AC seeding. I think these two are going to be right near the top at the end of the season. Obviously, the Bills off a, a, a kind of a bad defeat, whereas the Ravens are... You know, that they've been chugging along. They had that, that one blip against the Dolphins that otherwise looked quite exciting. It's a really good offense on the Baltimore side against a really good defense on the Bills side. You, you can make the argument that the the Bills are the more complete side on both sides of the ball, but their secondary is, as we said, is banged up. They're missing Hyde and, and uh, White and such like. So they're, they're going to struggle a little bit against Lamar. So that's why I, I think the form that Jackson is in, I think, is... Is going to be a deciding factor here. I think he's he's going to they're going to exploit those holes. He's he's going to beat them uh, through the air and on the ground. And the Bills maybe just won't have enough um, to get back the other way. Yeah, yeah. Like look, I I think last week was an aberration. I think Buffalo are are still the best team in the league. I think Baltimore, like Lamar Jackson, is playing out of his goddamn mind. And fair folks to him, he's going to make that coin. But the rest of the team. It's actually a bit iffy. Their defense has given up a lot of points over the last few weeks. Uh, the run game is basically non-existent. It didn't look that much better with J.K. Dobbins back in the seat. Um, so it's basically Lamar versus the ball, like the Buffalo Bills. And like, look, their defensive backfield is banged up at uh, the Buffalo in Buffalo. So like, there probably will be more production here for Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay. Um, that's the correct way to pronounce it, Sean. Um, and like, this is a guy. Uh, this, this is the, like, I will call like, him Duvernay to the day I It's Duvernay. Like your, like your gambit, you know, from the, the X-Men gambit. Like, you know, uh, but like, look, I think I think Buffalo are good. I think it was just a weird game last week. So I think week to week, I'm willing to pick them pretty much in any scenario. I think Baltimore are obviously good enough that I don't blame anyone for picking against Buffalo here. But I think overall, that, talent, that team's more talented. Josh Allen is really, really good. And once they're not basically boiled in the sun and rope-a-dope themselves, I think I'm going to give them the, the edge here still. Yeah, we'll see. I think Baltimore's offense is ticking over well. This is one that I could see going either way, but I'm going to side with them being at home uh, with, Baltimore, with, with, with Baltimore having, even with their injury problems, not quite as big a gaping hole as the Buffalo backfield uh, on, on defense is at the moment. But yeah, I could, it, it'll be a close game. Should be a very exciting watch. Washington at Dallas. Uh, Ronan, you have the joy of explaining this one to us. We've gone for Dallas across the board. Does Carson Wentz still have a spine? 
Possibly. Like, Does it matter? Begin with. Does Did it... he ever have a spine? <laughs> he, might, he might be skittering it out as like burgundy and gold, like it was at the moment, to be honest. But uh, look, like Washington, like the last first few weeks, I was saying, oh, you know, they got some things here, some respect. And then last week, they just absolutely shot themselves. So I'm very much out in Washington. And while Dallas aren't exactly the most exciting team right now with the Cooper Rush uh, situation, they're able to run the ball well. Their defense is stepping up and the Cooper Rush is being solid. So against a team like Washington, which is been at the best of times up and down and, and kind of okay at times uh, I'd give it to Dallas they seem to know what they're doing right now yeah next up Cleveland at Atlanta uh, we've got Cleveland across the board look Cleveland are very boring at the moment but they've got a good run defense we have to see about whether it's a good running attack we have to see whether or not the defensive players are injured but like this is an Atlanta team that are very chaotic could go either way uh, I'm going with Cleveland and all of us are going with Cleveland just because I reckon they this is the kind of one that they will be able to win by just being boring in Atlanta would need to have a lot of big plays and uh, it's it's just one of those ones that I think the defense will cause Mariota some issues uh, they'll probably stop him moving around quite as much as he'd like so uh, we'll go with it that way the next one is Denver at Vegas I am so sorely tempted actually I'm going I'm going to change my pick here I think um yeah so I've gone for Vegas so is Sean and Fitz has gone for Denver um I was laughing earlier Vegas the season is already over their own three uh this is a Denver team that can't get anything going on offense like as much as I would love to see Vegas go to 0 and 4 like this is a Denver team that punted what ten times or seven times and no, got ten times, one yes. one ten times and one fucking touchdown. They are terrible at the moment. This is going to be at Vegas. It's a division game. Like Vegas are crying out for a win. Um, yeah, like it's just this is this is like this feels like a match of also rans already at this point in the season, which is weird. Yeah, I think we're giving them maybe more respect than they deserve by talking about this game in any detail. To be honest, but like look. Like the talent on both these teams means that, you know, they could definitely both turn around and, and start getting W's. So this is a really big game because Vegas obviously say they go 0 4. Like, genuinely, we probably will just stop talking about this team completely. Um, and Denver will somehow be 3 1 and we'll be obliged to talk about them. We won't be happy about it. Like, I think for Denver, like, the reason I'm picking them, I think the defense looks really effective right now. Um, I think they got a huge amount of pressure against Jimmy G there. And while Derek Carr is better than Jimmy G, I think there's similar issues there. The offense is just, there's something wrong with it. It's just not quite working right now. It just looks a little bit off. And, you know, the Mac Hollins experiment is great. And you're you can get lots of yards that way, but it's not going to win you games. And the mm. inefficiency of this Vegas team in the red zone in particular has to be a major concern. So I think, like, look, Vegas have all the talent to make this offense work, but their defense right now is a bit meh, and their offense is just something wrong with it. Denver, as I say, if they just give up and just let Russell Wilson do his Russell Wilson thing, I think they could just start get this going. Javante Williams is very talented, but yeah, neither of these teams particularly make this yeah. seem like a very exciting game right now. Not in the slightest. Uh, Arizona, Carolina, Sean. Um... Me and you have gone for Carolina, and Fitz has gone for Arizona. Uh, chaos versus boring stability. Yes, and both bad. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I basically, I, this is a real kind of toss-up in terms of who's going to win this. I've gone for Carolina basically because it's one of those Arizona have to travel across three time zones, yeah. two time zones. So you got to give them the win. I mean, the Panthers haven't looked at all interesting. They, they don't quite seem to know what to do with CMC at all. And we've found where Baker's ceiling is, and it's not very high. So there's not an awful lot going there. But on the other side, the, the Cardinals are just a mess. Their offense is basically playground football where 
it's all about what Kyler can do. And when Kyler can't make the magic play, they fall apart and their defense is terrible. Um, I, I have to back slightly boring, you know, consistent, but at a low level versus absolute chaos, especially when consistent and boring is at home. Um, across uh, you know a large yeah no but yeah I'd, I'd look for cmc to have a bigger game here because just arizona's defense yeah i don't think it's up to much gamble 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 that's no. why i picked arizona <laughs> <laughs> rode in new england at, Gar- at green bay uh this is going to be hoyer the destroyer uh none of us seem to believe in him we've got green bay to win here yeah yeah i don't think green bay will necessarily like blow the doors off new england that could definitely happen i don't think i think it could be kind of a a grind of a game like the new england run game is going well they can keep it under grow green bay right now like they got dobbs involved but the pass game is still pretty pretty underwhelming right now but like green bay they can run the ball well their defense is ramping up so they should have enough to take on hoyer the destroyer and get this done yeah next up kansas city at tampa bay we've got a super bowl rematch from two years ago obviously two teams that uh were expected to kind of be high performers this year who are both looking to kind of come back after poor poor performances last week we'll say is probably the nicest way we could put it um there's hurricane weather down the area so tampa bay are currently trading in uh in miami. uh miami but like we'll see where this is played we've got kansas city across the board here you'd expect particularly with the weapons missing in tampa bay and stuff that could be it but they did were able to scheme up stuff to cause issues for kansas city in the past so it could go the other way but there's just so many moving pieces in tampa bay at the moment it's hard to tell what this will go with i would expect kansas to have a slightly improved offense than we saw last week and that should win out if they're still not the weapons in in tampa for for, for tom terrific and uh monday night football is ronan's pick of the week uh it's the rams at the san francisco 49ers uh me and sean have gone for the rams and fitz has gone for the 49ers because he loves punting and not scoring yeah like you know you know both these teams have you know underwhelmed to probably say the start of the season like i think you know the rams have pulled out from the week one disaster against buffalo they're now two and one but haven't really impressed doing so the run game is still a little bit iffy their pass game is still a little bit turnover heavy uh, or inconsistent uh, depending on the game and the defense while good and the, the main stars there like Aaron Donald and particular Jalen Ramsey are having good starts of the year you know there are definitely holes on that defense that can be exploited at times and after San Francisco obviously the first week of Jimmy G as the full line starter was pretty uh bad uh i know well, not bad absolutely shit um so <laughs> uh definitely concerns there but we've had like jimmy g has had games like that before um but now it's it's another week and it's like you know it's just more learning material for for kyle shanahan to remind jimmy g how to play football again and traditionally kyle shanahan has had the advantage over sean mcveigh in these matchups. now i know mcveigh won in the nfc championship so maybe the, the tides have turned uh but i like san francisco's running game that's working pretty well i like their defense particularly the defensive line has got a lot of pressure here so so, look, I think picking the Rams is perfectly legitimate. I think they're probably favoured by the Buckies, and that's fair enough. But I think San Francisco have a little bit of a hoodoo in this team. I could see them running the ball well, getting Debo Samuel involved a bit more in both the pass and the run game, and that the defence just gets Matt under Matt Stafford's skin a bit and he throws a few picks. And I don't think it'll, I think this could be a pretty close game on Monday Night Football, so I'm going to edge San Francisco. But, like, look, I think this is a coin flip game, in my opinion. And San Francisco, our team, I think, you know... I think they can get better and this is might be a good chance for them to do so against the opponent that they you know you know jimmy g will know exactly what he's supposed to do against the rams defense he's played them so often hmm. yeah i think this can go either way i mean I, I think it's a good test for the rams because obviously after their week one disaster they've had a, two relatively easy games that they haven't you know excelled and this is kind of the first good team they faced since week one so it'll be interesting to see where they're at i just give them the edge because i think they have that championship caliber i, I think they are 
even if they're not looking impressive, they do kind of click together. Whereas the Niners, I mean, they don't really have anything going offensively at the moment. Um, and ultimately, I think that's the difference that the Rams kind of do have a, an offense that functions, albeit not always a spectacularly high level. And that's why I give them the edge. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I think San Francisco kind of showed that they aren't really all together, particularly with the swap around a quarterback. Rams have a good defense. They have the kind of pieces that can go and match up on parts with them. And the offense, while it's been underwhelming, there's been more of it there and more consistently there. And I think it's also one that has the scope to grow a little bit because we talked about underuse of certain weapons. I could see that expanding as uh, as it continues. So I'm going to give them the edge. But I totally get why San Francisco at home in division, given how weird the NFC West often is, uh, it could go either way. But yeah, that'll wrap us up for this week. Uh, any plans for the weekend, lads? Soccer, yes. Get back to Liverpool. Haven't played a league game in about a month, so that'll be good to, to watch. Them. Sean, Sean is Very desperate fun. right now. Just like play Brentford just or whatever. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I can't watch the Nations League. Nations League is like the worst thing that has ever been created. Fair um, enough. Especially in a World Cup year, I just, I just don't know why they're even doing it. What about yourself? Proper Fitz? football. Uh, pretty quiet for myself. Nothing too exciting. Uh, probably watch a bit of football as well, but uh, yeah, quite enough. Very good. Yeah, no, I've got. Uh, Got some relations staying down with us on the weekend, and then, uh, yeah, but either uh, might have D&D on Saturday, depending on when they leave, or uh, I'll be watching the games in town in Dublin, and obviously a bit of training with the with the Dublin Wolves, who won one of their two games on the weekend as well, so Han the Wolves. Um, but yeah, for now, I suppose that'll wrap us up, so it's a bye from myself, bye from Ronan. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. This has been All Four Quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.